Welcome to Amiga Ireland. It's our May episode. I'm Irla. I'm Rob. And I'm Luke. In today's episode, webcam software for 68k Amigas. Take a quick look at spreadsheets on the Amiga. And new viruses. Scary. Ooh, wow. Well, before we get into all the news and stuff, uh, Rob, how have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, I say it every month, but like, where the hell did the month go? I don't know. I've, I've been saying, oh, I've got all this lockdown time. I'm going to get loads of stuff done. Uh, none of it. I have less time. I, I seem to be, I don't know where my all my time's going. So, uh, yeah, well, I working from home so uh that takes up a lot of it i suppose <laughs> but uh yeah just struggling to find time to do anything really so uh i actually have nothing to show for the last month it's understandable under the circumstances <laughs> yeah yeah that's 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 it i'm the same there's been uh it's just been a kind of intense it's been nice intense we've been going for walks in the prom we've been looking after our you know parents and things like that so but like busy busy but it's been nice and we met a lot of cool new neighbors actually so always busy but uh it's nice you know. Yeah. How about you, Luke? How are you doing? Well, I'm I'm back at work. I was a little bit of on holiday, so uh, I could stay at home. And uh, we did a, a lot of spring tidying up and cleaning up, so we got a, a lot of things. And now I'm back again at work. So uh, there you go. Every day is the same. I don't know which is better. <laughs> <laughs> Holidays definitely always. <laughs> uh, we've got two guests with us today. We've got Eamon, also known as Vectorfunk on Twitter. How are you doing, Eamon? Thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for joining us. And we've got also uh, John Gervin of Dodgy Rocks fame. How's it going, John? Hi, Arla. Good to be here. Fair play to you. Thanks for making it. We were just saying beforehand, we've got five significant others to thank for allowing us all to be here together during the, these strange times. How are you both getting on? Getting on pretty good, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty unusual times. We're all in this sort of a shared unity with it all, with everyone's kind of in a similar boat all at the same time. And uh, actually, Eamon, your other half is an Amstrad fan. So are you having a bit of a retro um, lockdown time together or anything like that? Yeah, we'll definitely have to work on that. That hasn't happened so far. So I guess there's there's plenty more days to fill yet. How about you, John? Are you uh, are you working from home? Are you on holidays? No, no, I'm working from home. Um, I can sympathise with Rob there. Uh, my my no, my normal job didn't stop, and it went about 150 percent with lockdown. So <laughs> I've been ex- I've been ex- yeah, yeah. no no time for anything. Apart from that, everyone's healthy, so it's good. That is good. Yeah, and actually, Clearcast, aka Modib, has had um, a new baby rendered in the last couple of days. So, congrats, uh, Modib, if you're listening. <laughs> Congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations, yeah. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Keep him yeah, busy. Some nice news. I'll keep him busy. <laughs> it certainly will, yeah. Right, let's move on to the news. Ham Convert converts JPEG, GIF, uh, GIF and PNG images to Amiga graphic modes, uh, ILBM and IFF. It's um, a beta that's been updated in recent uh, weeks and includes updates such as adding a border and command line control. It supports parallel ham conversion using brute force search. It can support graphic modes such as extra half bright, ham 6, 8, all sorts of color indexes and color modes. It requires Java. It runs on a, a modern machine and then it gives you an output that you can uh, transfer over to your Amiga. This it seems bizarre in this day and age, but um, there have been a couple of new Amiga viruses that have uh, been spotted in the wild. You know, there's at least one was uh, in an Aminet upload, so that's been it's been taken care of. But um, you know, there are uh, people who have downloaded it, and and it is. Uh, frankly bizarre you know <laughs> like what are people doing but in, in in a way you can kind of see that as the um uh, maybe the resurgence in popularity of the platform or you know you know maybe that just the uh yeah the, the 
boredom of some people if <laughs> you're in lockdown or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, there you go. So there are a couple to, to look out for. Now, given that there haven't been new viruses in many years, the um, existing virus checker definitions are probably you know, 10, 20 years old and won't catch them. So um, there are um, efforts underway to try and sort that out. But uh, in the meantime, just keep your eye on it. A uh, link we'll have in the show notes there with information about the viruses and the archives that they were found in. So just, uh, just you know, be a little bit uh, wary of these things. And uh, yeah, just bizarre, though. I'm really curious whether there are any, like... A- new old stock viruses if I may describe it like that or are they just uh, really like a freshly written viruses you know like a just 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 you know, like a couple of weeks ago or months ago that's 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 very that's very curious to be honest because uh, a virus doesn't attack a dead dead organism dead system mm-hmm. and it means that uh, the popularity of actually our you know, like a favorite platform has increased enough to be, you know, like a visible in a the target, like yeah. a viral world. Mm, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. All right, that's a positive sign. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I, that's the the way I was saying. You know, it's a positive way of looking at it. All right, but um, yeah, like there have been a couple of viruses that have made it into Aminet archives and you know into various packages that people have been downloading they were they up until now they've all, all been previously known viruses so once you had a virus checker or installed a virus checker you could sort it out but these ones haven't been seen before so whether they're new or whether they're uh, just released from stasis on some cover disk somewhere we don't know but uh they you know they're not they haven't been seen before and it's uh yeah it's interesting We've got another news item, and this time it's Anrar version 5.90 that's just been released to to Aminet, of course. Uh, the usual bug fixes and um, and um, updates. I don't think Anrar is the most popular one on Amiga, to be honest, guys. I think still uh, LHA and Zip. Mm-hmm. I think are the most popular. Uh, archivers and unarchivers uh, uh, for 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 Amiga. What do you think? Yeah, no, it is uh, less less used, but it's like it's it's like zip. You know, you you will get files that might not necessarily be Amiga specific that you want to open. Mm-hmm. You know, let's say artwork or something like you know, like as, assets for something, um, and they could be packed up with RAR. So yeah, yeah. it's not a. Uh, uh, and of course, if you're, you know, there we're getting a lot of ports that need the original game files and things like that. Like let's say you want to install Quake, you might get that as a RAR file. RetroPie version 4.6 has been released, which brings support for the Raspberry Pi 4. I was talking recently to Seamus Doyle, and he is getting himself a Pi 4. So I know that's one person who will be upgrading to this, but it's going to support um, emulation a lot better with its extra power, I suppose. The Raspberry Pi 4 was announced in June of 2019. So a lot of people have been waiting anxiously for something like RetroPie to come along to really give them an excuse to get stuck into the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, I've been, I've been waiting until this they're going to pay for it. So. It's on my list as well, but uh, I'm kind of like, in, in all seriousness, what will I do with it? I'll it, you know, add it to the pile of other yeah. Raspberry Pis that yeah. are lying around the place here. You know? But it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beast of a machine, the Pi 4. It really is. So for not just for Amiga emulation, but for emulation in general, it is uh, very capable. Uh, yeah, and they upgraded the base spec recently as well. So you got um, the 2 gig RAM. Is, is the base model of the Pi 4 now. Wow. It's, 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 a, it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a serious machine, for the money especially. We need one for every projector in the Sheraton Hotel, I think, next year. <laughs> yeah. 
Camera is a small webcam software that uses VHI drivers on 68K Amigas. I had to take, a, um, you know, look at read this twice to believe my eyes. Um, <laughs> but images can be reg- regularly captured locally in dynamic folders and uploaded to FTP servers as JPEG or PNG files. And it can even uh, dynamically generate text to print on top of the images. It's amazing. Uh, so, you know, Amiga 1200, I'm hoping to try that out, actually, as soon as I get some time. Mm-hmm. Right, and Ami SSL uh, gets version 4.5, again, uploaded to Aminet. Uh, very useful, uh, very useful add-on for eyebrows, uh, 2.5, and with this version, it also goes open source. Amiberry version 3.1.3.1 has been released, which brings improved WHD load and just-in-time support has been added, along with a set of bug fixes. Um, Dimitri is actually uh, the person who does uh, most of the work on Amiberry so uh, fair play Dimitri you're obviously still busy <laughs> Dimitri did uh, that really interesting talk on the um, cluster Raspberry Pi cluster for rendering very interesting guy and he's got his fingers in lots of different projects including iGame I think Homebank 4.6.3 for OS4 um, is available. Transactions features such as breaking them down by category and cash flow diagrams are the new features that have been added. I've been using Homebank. I first used it, I think, about 20 years ago in college on Linux. Um, I can't believe that it's still going and it's available on OS4. It's brilliant. It was really good even back then, so it must be fantastic now. More OS4 news. Odyssey web browser now uh, on GitHub. And that, that's had a, a good few updates in the recent times. So there's been a bit of activity there, which is great to see. And uh, this particular uh, update here has uh, it includes updates for for FFmpeg and YouTube integration. So it's the, the scripts that tie all that together have all been sort of taken care of. So uh, it's based basically whenever anything happens that YouTube changed the layout of their website so that the, the external players all stop working, you see. So um, this... These, these kind of fixes to help uh, you know sort that out but um yeah that's uh yeah basically the as the, the best browser there is for os4 and it is yeah it's, it's good to see that it's still getting work amos professional aga has been released which is now an open source project bringing support for the aga chipset nice to see it being open sourced yeah it looks like it's been open sourced since around 2012 um, and it looks like the development's kind of picked up again. So it's good to see open source projects bringing new things to the Amiga. Okay, it was already open sourced. Okay, well, that's going to be cut out. <laughs> <laughs> I think the original author of Amos has announced a little while ago now he's, he's going to develop it further for modern machines as well. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. That'll be really good for yeah for getting attracting more people to it. Was he not working on a web engine for Amos, or did I um, imagine that? I didn't hear that. I don't know. Or some sort of uh, web interpreter, maybe it was someone else. But there was uh, you know in a, uh, a yeah I, I could be just making this up, but I was sure there was a, a an effort for a, an Amos two to be uh, basically so you can run it in a web page, which would be uh, uh, impressive as well. Yeah, I believe it's a spiritual successor to Amos. Yeah, yeah. Right, and uh, another news items. Um, Omegatronics, as far as I remember, is a is a Spanish portal with news uh, items, and we've just found an interview with Israel 
Ortuno, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, he He's the founder of Amigatronics. So, uh, if you're interested, especially the Spanish guys, if you're interested in... Uh, in uh, news items and piece items and uh, getting to know uh, about Amigatronics, why not have a look? AmiEd allows you to remotely edit files on Amiga from a Unix machine. Another really cool thing um, that has just come out. So this this software runs on any Amiga and it just requires a TCP IP stack. And uh, you simply run a server on your Amiga and the client on your Unix machine and connect and you can edit your files uh, from there, it's that's really exciting. Uh, I have a Linux uh, desktop, so I'm really uh, eager to give that a go. There's been a, f- a few of these projects recently, but the Remix 500 is um, a, yeah, an open source uh, remake, if you like, of the of the uh, Amiga 500 motherboard. So this is this is uh, this has been done in KiCad, and so you can uh, generate the Gerbers and get get the uh, get these replacement Amiga 500 motherboards manufactured. So uh, there have been a couple of different ones up until now, and uh, but this is a one that's like just fully open source, as in the actual sources there. A lot of the time when you have an, an open project like this, uh, it's you have the capability to make the boards, but you don't have the actual source. So um, the, you know this is this is useful if you want to you know add modifications to it and. Uh, you, you know, make make improvements to your own Mega 500, uh, or have your own take on the Mega 500. Cool, that's really nice. Right, um, a, a Star Trek ship's database uh, for OS4 has been released to OS4Depot.net over our 500 megabytes of data with uh, with pictures, with descriptions has uh, 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 has been released. So if you're uh, Star Trek fan, as majority of us here probably <laughs> uh, have a look, read through. You'll you 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 won't disappoint yourself. I'm 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 a big fan of Star Trek to be honest, especially this, uh, next generation with Picard, Riker, and the data. So well, that's going to be nice. Same here, same here. That, this makes me want to get in the Westworld machine even more now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, the exact same thought crossed my mind just for that alone. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's like the best of both worlds. Yeah. Pardon the. Oh, very good, very good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See what you did there. Season two, episode nine. <laughs> oh, very good, Luke. Wow, wow. Full marks. Ah. <laughs> I can proudly say I couldn't quote you what episode that was from. <laughs> I just, I, I really like it. Next Generation. That's just, Fair you know, play. like a show from my childhood. Maybe we should think about doing another podcast, guys. <laughs> Start a Star Trek podcast? Yeah, I'd be totally up for it. I think we would be, you know, like a little bit behind after Americans because they're really good. I've, 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 I think I've, I've seen and I've, I've listened to a, a little bit of an American Star Trek podcast and they are really good ones, you know. Yeah, but we could put the European twist on it, you know, like we can compare, compare the, which Bringlogy are most like our uncles or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Live long and prosper. <laughs> mm. Um, this is an interesting one. It came from the desert audio drama. It's 10 minutes long on YouTube and, um, it's, it's full cast. I think it's two people, but, um, it's actually quite good. It's just they've picked an interrogation scene and, um, it was really nice to listen to it. I ca- recaptured the, um, environment of it came from the desert, which came out in the Amiga way back. And uh, actually another thing I found, which is more discovery, but that there was actually a movie made, uh, some years later. And last news item for today is um, 
it was more OS4 news. We've, uh, there was a, a release of Spotless for OS4. So uh, that's um, that's a debugger. So it's a bit of a probably a bit of a niche thing, really. But um, if you if you do any uh, coding, you know how useful once once. A, once you get beyond certain basic stuff, you know how useful a, a, a proper debugger can be. And it's a bit of a weak spot in all the Amiga varieties. So it's nice to see that this is kind of a, you know, a fairly sophisticated uh, debugging suite for uh, for OS 4. So, um, yeah, an OS 3 version would be nice as well. But this apparently has been, uh, is it uses a lot of PPC specific stuff. So porting it would be very, very difficult. But uh, it's good good to see all the same. Okay, let's move on to the games. Happy Bat is a Flappy Bird clone for AGA Amiga machines made with Red Pill. Um, I ran this on an A1200 and it ran very nicely. We've got the link for that on Aminet. We've mentioned it before, but there's a, a, a version of the Chaos Engine or a take on the Chaos Engine in the works for the Commodore 64. And uh, so there's a new teaser available now, uh, so you can have a have a look at that. But um, it's uh, considering the limits of the C64, it's, it looks very impressive. Music is also a really great one. I really look forward to that one because it, uh, it's a really great game. One of the Amiga classics, just like Flashback, for example, or Another World. Right, and we've got another game. Fred's Journey is a very nice and colourful platformer. The thing is, I remember that game, again, from the C64 world from the early 90s, and it was called Fred's Back. I think there were like three or four parts, and I got like really... Um, Really nicely surprised, actually, when I saw the, that game released during the revision uh, compo. So uh, it's a really nice game. Have a look. Speaking of Omega Classics, uh, released in April was Project Osiris, which was uh, a total conversion of Alien Breed 3D. Um, it was a game which I really, really liked on Omega. This has been converted to the GZ Doom, modern Doom engine. Um, it's really quite good. I've played through the first seven or eight levels of it and while it's not sort of a absolutely 100% accurate port or copy of the copy of Young 3D, it's it's very similar and it's good. So check it out. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, back in so back in the Amiga days and I, I did some work with it, Young 3D and some of the tools that I were then were used to, to help make Jesus, to help make this project the Cyrus and so the extract really yeah the extract the Alien Breed 3D levels wow and uh, <laughs> I started a, I started a, a total conversion to Quake uh, so I, I wrote a tool that converted the Alien Breed 3D levels to Quake levels um, mm-hmm. but uh, I stopped that because Quake couldn't actually support the Alien Breed 3D level sizes but it's really? <laughs> yeah Alien Breed 3D has huge levels for yeah, 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 and the Quake One and, and Quake Two engines couldn't support that size, That's so mad. it's so tw- twenty three years later. I'm glad that something has actually come with these tools. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, so it's probably it's probably one of my favorite games in the Mega. So it's it's great to see this, and it's uh it's certainly in feel. It's a very faithful conversion. And John, I saw on Aminet your name has come up a few times, just totally by accident. I find it really funny that um, <laughs> I keep coming across your name. <laughs> so you did a patch for Alien Breed 3D that you know improved controls and stuff like that. Um, how long ago was that? Uh, that was probably around the same time, so '97, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean that that was a that was a very simple patch that just called into the OS to call a 
an operating system function to say, I have a joypad attached, it's this type. And, um, because the, the, I think the auto detection didn't work properly in LMB3D, something like that. I don't know, it was, it was, it was 20 years ago, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the source code's on there as well, so have a look. <laughs> Brilliant. Fair play to you. That's great. <laughs> It is, it is kind of scary sometimes when you uh, come across yeah. stuff you wrote 20 years ago or, or yeah. you know, whether it's software or a script or something like that. And you're like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, first off, I don't understand how it works. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's mad. Um, yeah. think, what have I done <laughs> since then? Yeah, yeah but yeah, there's that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Commenting and indenting got a bit better. That's about it. <laughs> um, right. Uh, germs with a, with a Z. The new game has been released from Last Minute Creations. And this, look, this looks like a little sort of a, a multiplayer party game kind of thing. Sort of a, uh, well, I basically I haven't played it myself, so I don't know. But it looks it looks interesting. Um, and basically you're just trying to take over a little bit of a board from, you know, you've got sort of a grid kind of, a, 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 sort of like a maze grid kind of thing. to, And you have to take that take it over against the other uh, three players so uh, yeah it looks it looks looks very fun very fun very good so i'll have to i'll have to check that out myself all right you know, we've got another logical game uh, this time made by project r3d the guys who are uh behind uh tanks fury and uh bridge strike as uh, that's the name of the game actually which can be which can be translated into a rogue actually mm. and it's a logical game where you push blocks very colorful and again it uh, it was released during revision uh, game compo very nice and colorful it's like a little screenshots there and it looks very colorful yep yep it is jumping around is a very simple blitz basic game and um, that's been uploaded to aminet um I had some difficulty actually uh, playing and controlling this, so I don't know, is it me or is it yet to be updated? But what's interesting about the game besides all that is that um, the author said if he gets 1,000 downloads, he'll release the code and he has almost 840-something downloads so far. So if you're interested in learning how to uh, make a Blitz basic game, you can see how he um, you know, got this main sprite to react to the joystick and um, how the um, opponents are program and stuff like that so interesting to be able to uh you know open up something that doesn't have too much code in it maybe so you can get a sense of what's going on and we've got another blast from the past this time from 1994 by uh wanted team uh a game previously unreleased uh called Schwidron. uh it's an unreleased boulder dash clone again very nice very colorful if you're a fan of boulder dash i'm sure you won't be disappointed fix it felix has been released on the c64 i think it's fix it felix jr which is uh i'm sure everyone's familiar with the the, the old arcade game but um yeah so there's a, a very nice looking c64 port for the release there so definitely worth checking out and we couldn't end the game section without talking to John, who is the author of Dodgy Rocks, about uh, <laughs> Dodgy Rocks. So um, before the Amiga Ireland event uh, came out, Dodgy Rocks got released. And there's even, I think, a special a seasonal edition uh, released at one point. Is that right, John? That's right. The Santa Rocks came out just before Christmas. 
Santa rocks. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I have dodgy rocks on my laptop and I have it on my phone as well because it's in the app store. Uh, it's a very uh, fun and addictive game. It's n- nice to pass around uh, a few people and see who can get the high score and stuff. It went down really well at the event. The, the high score. I remember seeing a high score at one stage that was just unbelievable. I just I just said, oh, I'm never going to get near that. And yet the person who won just broke that again by another mile. That was um, Pixels at Dawn, I think, mm-hmm. who... Um, as must have some serious reflexes. I'd be I'd be happy to have Pixels uh, as an air traffic controller for my <laughs> flight. I'd be a lot less nervous getting on a plane. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, so, John, how did that come about? And um, how did the Amiga port come about? Uh, it's two separate stories there. Um, Do- Dodgy Rocks started life as actually a Power Rangers game um, that, I was, that I was making for my son because he was young and he's, he loved Power Rangers and... He just he wanted a game about Power Rangers. Um, <laughs> simple as that. So, but obviously, I could release that because you know, Bandai, who everyone's Power Rangers these days, would come down on me. So, it, it got a rebrand. And over the course of 2019, I just refined it and played it and tuned it and came out in September, actually, on my son's birthday. So, it was very apt. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and shortly after that, um, I started looking around for, I think it was maybe Yarla suggested this, but you know, it would be a good game, a good high score competition game for Amiga Ireland 2020, which at that point was two or three months away. And hmm. Rob very kindly stepped up. <laughs> um, I said, yeah, two or three months is loads of time. <laughs> loads, he said loads of time. <laughs> but Rob has obviously never really worked on games too much there. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, just still not used to having a kid. That's the problem. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that takes some adjustment. Um, yeah, so over the next couple of months, Rob crunched on and did actually a really quite well, very accurate port of Dodgy Rocks to run that runs on an A twelve hundred in Blitz Basic, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's um, it. Yeah. Yeah, and that that you're right. I mean, that did go down really, really well at the show. I mean, there's one point where people were queuing to get on it. And, <laughs> and there were two machines going on and some of the scores were unbelievable yeah and it, it really yeah, it really went people were playing right down to the wire of the, yeah. at the end of the show so that, that, was, that, that was good for me I, I really enjoyed seeing that absolutely it was it was great um, now the, the thing with the scores is that uh, there were a couple of minor uh, yeah. gameplay issues that I, that I didn't cop compared to the original but uh they've long since been fixed but um there was also a a crashy bug that i still haven't fixed and that is sitting on my to-do list since then unfortunately uh so the gameplay stuff is all sorted out the same day basically but um yeah yeah, this 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 thing i just kind of gave up one day and uh i'm kind of like yeah i'll give it a while and then i'll go back to it sometime soon yeah, Rob was busy doing bug fixes and taking notes on the day. So. <laughs> yeah, pages of notes, if I remember right. Pages and pages of notes, yes. But yeah, there were a couple of key gameplay things that meant the scores couldn't really compare to the PC version, to the phone version. But um, yeah. yeah, no, that that's all that's all sorted. Um, Great. Yeah, see, this is the thing. I thought, like, I thought, come April, my wife was going to be going away for a month and I was going to have all this free time. And basically, the opposite has happened. <laughs> <laughs> no one's going anywhere, and uh, so I have no free time. And so, uh, yeah, so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll get it all sorted then. And yeah, sure, it's not happening. Yeah. So uh, I will get to it. I will get to it. And uh, we will have an L Dodgy Rocks release, well, hopefully in the next uh, month or two. 
Yeah. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you with the time, actually, um, and having the kid at home. I, I just remembered one of the things that is a massive time sink is the homeschooling because it's done online, you know, video classes. But if the teacher doesn't have a good mic or something or, you know, whatever, it's, mm-hmm. you need to be there. So I'm basically back in secondary school now, first year, which is uh, a real trip. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're doing homeschooling as well. It's taken up a lot of time, and I mean, just like just like Rob, just like Yara, I had great plans in February, which have all gone in the bin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping to have an Easter version of Dodgy Rockside, which has just hasn't happened. Um, there was talk of Commodore sixty four Dodgy Rocks, which hasn't happened. Yeah, I had plans to finish off an Amiga game that. I was resurrecting from back in the day and just I haven't got near any of it. I thought Rocks is going to end up like Doom where it runns on everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of run Dodgy Rocks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how, how about the VIC-20 actually? You got a VIC-20, didn't you? Yeah, I've got, yeah, I've got a VIC-20 shot before it really shut down. Um, fiddling away with that. It's sort of stalled because I can't get to a 3D printer to do some of this, you know, to build some of the cases that I want to make. Uh, cool. Yeah, but the machine machine more or less works, and if I had again the magic more time, I bought it with the intention of maybe doing some actual retro game development. Um, mm-hmm. After fixing <laughs> after fixing it up, and then maybe bring something to the Miguel of twenty twenty one. Oh, amazing! But uh, yeah, as I said, February plans have all gone in the bin. It's a theme for this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, Eamon, I think in, in some of the photographs I saw yourself and the missus um, actually playing dodgy rocks or at least uh, sitting around us. Did you get a go? Oh, we did. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things. It's, it's like deceivingly easy, but the difficulty ramps up like very quickly. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't remember getting a high score as such, but it definitely was a lot of fun to play. Yeah. <laughs> Glad you liked it. <laughs> yeah, it was a great addition to the event. Yeah, I actually, I remember now the first time I got past whatever number of levels you have to get to, to realize the, the your opponent gets much smarter. And I just thought, oh, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought I'd master it. It's like a full summit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, very I've, good. I've got this so I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Nope. You, you think that, and then the fireballs appear. <laughs> That's it, yeah. That's it. <laughs> okay, let's move on to discoveries. So uh, my first discovery is ARC, A-R-C, which stands for Adam's Recipe Application. Um, It's just a recipe manager, but I tried them all on Aminet, and this one to me seems like the best one. Uh, It has a really nice interface. It has over a megabyte of recipes, uh, so that's just pure text, so that's a lot of recipes. You can search and export individual recipes. This was done in 1998, so one thing that surprised me for 1998 was to see a huge selection of vegan recipes in it. It's bizarre to hear when you you say it like that, you know, you've you've tried all the recipe applications applications on on Aminet. like you know there's more than one there's like you know the fact that it exists at all is bizarre but uh it does show you like what what Aminet is like and um and they're just recently i'll just give it a quick mention uh, some some raise a good point that, that like you know Aminet is completely run by volunteers it's a massive archive and you know what it was it like 20 30 gigs or something like that. i can't remember how, what, what size it is but um there's an awful lot of stuff there stretching back 25 years, 30 years on the on the of you know Amiga stuff, and you still get like new multiple uploads every day to, to it. Um, so uh, you know if you do make use of it, or, and you have made use of it over the last quarter of a century, you know just throw throw them in the price of a beer or something. They'd uh, they'd greatly appreciate that. But um, okay, so uh, the next discovery now that I have, 
uh, this actually came from uh, an old article written by our own Carl Jekyll, who uh, did this, the C programming, the cro- C cross compilation workshop there in Amiga Ireland. Uh, now, and this is about a client for video conferencing on the Amiga. So I know we were talking about uh, the, the webcam software earlier, and this is um, this is bizarre though because this is back in the mid nineties. Um, that basically, basically, CUCME is the name of it, and it was this it was this protocol for um, an open protocol for video conferencing and for webcams and things like that. And so you know the way things back then were kind of like a bit open, like a, it was IRC kind of time, and so anyone could write an IRC client because the the you know the specs were open and you 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 know you, all you had to do was write your client and away you go. Um, so this was a similar idea, but for video conferencing and there was an Amiga client and it worked. And there's a you know there's a screenshot in the thing of you know just multiple windows open on the on the workbench, you know re- multiple resizable windows each showing a different person. Um, and it had you know it, it was it was tailored for very very low bandwidth use, so you could you could strip the video down to a three bit depth. And compress it that way, and so it was a relatively simple compression. So you could you could play it on an Amiga. Um, you're probably not talking high frame rates or anything like that, but you know, and just like three bit grayscale graphics. But um, you know, it meant you could run this video conferencing over, like you know, a 28k modem, which is nuts. Um, you know, you, you think you know, like any any of the video conferencing stuff these days, just like dies a death if you have less than a one meg connection. And uh, this this was running on uh, 28k modems. It's it's amazing and it's just uh, bizarre and unfortunate that it kind of got, you know, I, I've never heard of it and it got, it got forgotten pretty quickly. I suppose the protocol and everything's long dead, I'd say. But um, you know, all the proprietary stuff now. But uh, it's, that's uh, it'd be an amazing thing just to set up a little hub of that if you could. You know, maybe I'll have a look at that at some point <laughs> on on the project list. <laughs> Oh, that's really nice. Really nice. Uh, right. Uh, another one would be uh, Commander eighty five. That's my uh, that's my discovery, and it's a nostalgic sci fi thriller and a hacker simulator set in the eighties. It's an actually a Kickstarter project started by a um, by a by a company in Poland, and uh, the, the 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 plot is about a, a main character who gets a computer. The computer is actually called Commander. Uh, this the action takes place in eighty uh, five, and the, the the computer itself bears a huge resemblance to actually Amiga. I'm not gonna tell you which one, just to just to spare your interest. But uh, um, have a look; you might be interested. LibGD has been updated for Amiga OS and it allows dynamic image creation. So this is a, a programming library that's been written in C with wrappers for other languages. So this means that your application can generate things like charts from internal data. Very cool. Uh, I can imagine having a bit of fun with that. Right. My another discovery is um, uh, Live 600. It's um, it's actually an Amiga connected probably to Raspberry Pi. Uh, and you can... Telnet into that Amiga from your own um, browser and say the author say to author hi, or just chat with them or you know or a uh, format workbench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Or or shell or shell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it I've, I've tried that and it works really really <laughs> cool. well. 
interesting, very interesting, and and it's got all the security protocols as well. So uh, I'm uh, I'm astounded that the author of this project uh, uh, have managed to achieve uh, so much. I think it's only Amiga 600 with uh, uh, two megabytes of chip RAM, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, OS4 Emu is an API wrapper to allow some OS4 applications to run on Morphos. It's really interesting, and I have a list of some of the applications that it can run, but I have lost it, so sorry about that. But I'll give you the latest updates. It's an enhanced new lib.library. It implements um, OS 4.1 64-bit DOS functionality, exec functionality, Picasso 96, and has improved general um, compatibility so that is um, a nice touch for anyone on Morphos. And my final discovery is Ignition, a spreadsheet application for OS3, which was built in 2006, this is the 2006 build. Um, they have now made a 2020 build for OS4. Uh, unfortunately, they seem to have dropped support for OS3. But they've got some really nice features. Um, your spreadsheets can... So I, I use Final Calc and um, there's a few things missing uh, from it that I'd really like. I think I think colouring of cells or colouring of the text in cells. I forget that was something I was really looking for. But um, on this, you, it seems like it has got everything you would want really um, for you know an average spreadsheet. It's got drop-down lists and it supports a, a database for addresses and other features like that so um if you're on os4 it's a really nice one to check out and if you're on os3 you can still get that old binary from 2006. Uh, my discovery first month is amig atari which is 12 hours of the best atari st demo c music on one floppy disk this comes from an editorant of the revision 2020 demo scene party so that's really cool <laughs> i haven't heard of that yeah, basically put it on the background today as a bit of a warm-up for today's podcast. <laughs> Set the mood. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, that is all for discoveries. What we might do here is uh, talk about some of the feedback. So at the end of Amiga Ireland uh, this year in January, the, the plan was to, um, you know, when we're saying our goodbyes, say goodbye to everybody and uh, send out a survey straight away that people can answer while everybody knows about it. But because um, I wanted to change the, um, I wanted to change the the survey to kind of ask more questions because you know there was a lot of changes and the kind of unexpected things happened in the event, so I wanted to capture all that kind of stuff too. So I decided not to do it then, and I went and waited and changed the survey and added more kind of questions to it. So it took longer, and of course it goes into people's spam because they're not expecting it. And so anyway. Um, we're going to go through some of the feedback and we'll probably break it up over a few episodes. Um, it's been really positive, really constructive. Thanks to everybody who took the time to um, complete the survey. And so here are the anonymous survey results. Okay, so the first question we asked was, what was your overall experience of Amiga Ireland 2020? Um, so there was one option, dissatisfied. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, that was 0%, thankfully, this year. So I'm glad nobody had it. <laughs> A bad time. Yeah, yeah. you never know. Uh, neutral, I can take it or leave it. That was 11%. And satisfied, I want to return was 89%. It is nice. Um, I think we could have done better, but um, I, I think I know why we how we could have done better uh, because there were some... There were some mistakes that were just just hard to catch on the day with the setup we had. We can talk about those later because we've got some helpful comments uh, that we'll get to uh, another time. Uh, then we've got the next question. 
The next question was, how was the meal? So, 54% are happy to go uh, wherever the crowd is. 30% want the same meal next year. 60% can't join because of dietary requirements or because they don't like the menu. From the time that, uh, when I was in, like, Atermiga Island, I was pretty, like, happy with the meal. So, uh, I'd go, for example, with happy to go whatever the crowd is. I really like the food there. Um, I... But um, and it's a very popular. It's the most popular area a re- a restaurant in the area. It's it's tricky to find a place that everyone's happy with. I just know from personal life if there's a you know if there's a christening or whatever you know to get something you know not everyone wants to eat Italian food because they want cream or oil or you know not everyone is Indian. But um, I think it's pretty good. But what we'll do to next year is on the Saturday we'll experiment with the restaurant. I think we'll have an option to buy uh, to buy into a meal there in in the the hotel because the restaurant is right across from the the archway entrance basically into Amiga Ireland so they're kind of all one the restaurants and the event are practically all one so um, we can try that out and then we can do a sort of an a b test survey thing and see is there a massive preference between one and the other well like you, like you say that's eighty four percent of people who were you know happy enough or or were fine with the with the restaurant so it's not uh, it wasn't bad <laughs> okay so the next question uh, we asked was um, we flew in our first guest this year would you be willing to pay a, fi- a five euro increase to continue this 85% said they were happy to do this so that's uh, to pay an extra five euros in order to, to get a special guest 12% they said they would pay two euros and uh, and there were some suggesting that they'd add even more to the ticket price so uh, you know there might be scope there for um a voluntary contribution we'll have to um, think about that we have a, a couple of options for next year for guests when when we fly somebody in it depends where we fly them from so one thing i learned this year is if somebody's flying in from the states they really need to get there the day before because they're going to be wrecked it's not like somebody flying in from europe mm-hmm. where they can arrive on the day and be fine you know um they really need the extra day or they're going to be seriously jet lagged so um Hmm. we'll um, need to think about you know compare what are the options what do we have in the kitty on the day um but it's it's nice that people are kind of um willing to uh, pay extra if we need it that said we've got some another um uh, question later on where we'll see what, what kind of what people really want and come to the event for is it for vips or is it for other stuff and there's an interesting answer there too so um, we can see what we can do. We've got a few options. We can fly in. One, one option is to fly in anyone we want and get as much kind of out of sponsorship and ticket sales to cover it. The other is to fly in somebody who's a bit closer, maybe from Europe, um, which would kind of reduce costs. And another one then is to do go back to the Skype thing, you know, or Zoom or whatever. And uh, we could even do two of those, one on Friday and one on Saturday this time around. But... That said, we're talking to two people, one for a video interview and another one to potentially come. So we'll see. We'll see. We uh, didn't. We made, it, an, we made it, enough. Of... <laughs> <laughs> I can't say yet. To be honest, when the, when the virus came out, I just said, geez, I'm not going to announce anything because God knows what's going to happen. No, that's going to be Who's going to be left? Will there be any humans left in the, <laughs> in the, the Um we made enough this year to cover the venue again next year, but um, we didn't do massively well. You know, there were we did lose overall, so um, to get somebody back in will be tight. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but maybe there's a way between ticket sale increase and sponsorship that we can make that happen again. The next question is: Do we hold the event in the right location? Over eighty percent of people agree. Um, the remainder 
put comments in and chose other options such as that maybe if we find a cheaper venue uh, to consider changing or that we should um, move closer to somewhere like a, an airport uh, based place like Dublin City you know or Cork or something so international visitors can get in and out easier it's a tricky one we um we started purely as a local thing and we picked that alone to be central so that everyone can get you know from all around the country because it's not as small as Ireland is there's some some particular routes where suddenly it takes you hours you know that was the reason for Athlone at the moment where over 80% of people <laughs> equally awkward for everyone <laughs> yeah equally awkward yeah that's a good way of putting it yeah I think people like the area too you know there's a couple of streets you can kind of go and get lost in a few different pubs and stuff if you want mm-hmm. and it's a bit of fun and um, with as long as, long as 80% of people would like to stay there uh, we will we'll stay there but um, who knows what will happen you know Right, another question is uh, would you like to extend workshops to 90 minutes and uh over 70% people uh, say 60 minutes is enough, so we'll keep it that way, I think. But uh, with more spillover uh, time between workshops. So uh, I think 60, 60 minutes is, is, is all right if it comes to, to workshops. What do you think? I think attention span is you know something to consider in an event like that. That's right. The longer you make it, the more likely someone is to miss something else and the less likely they would be to commit to it then. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, and, and we will leave spillover time for it because, you know, we had an interview with uh, Dave Haney and um, I was at the stage with Dave and Trevor and David Pleasance. And um, I just, you know, naively assumed that um, our interviewer was off, you know, checking their notes or maybe nervous, but they were actually in at a workshop. And um, I went in and, you know, got the <laughs> shepherd's hook and got them out of the stage. But it meant we started late and it shortened the meeting. So mm-hmm. I'll, um, I'll keep better tabs on that for next time. Yeah, because that that happened. But when you got workshops back to back like that, they um, if each one's over by ten minutes after you know after four of them, you're out forty minutes. So uh, you know it's it, it it quickly adds up like that. So yeah, quarter of an hour, half an hour between the workshops would be uh, would be a good idea. You see, the reason the reason they were like that year, like that this year, is that if I did put a gap, if there was a gap of a half an hour between each one, they would have run later into the evening, and then they would have yeah. missed stuff like yeah, the interview, which didn't want to happen. Yeah, and then yeah. the other option is okay, you can leave a gap, but then move one of the workshops to Friday, and then which one do you move to Friday? Mm-hmm. And how guaranteed are we that everyone is going to make? Like we did have some people like had trouble with flights and stuff. So Friday is supposed to be like a sociable buffer time, but next year we'll use Friday more. Next, we asked, would you be willing to volunteer? And we got uh, 25 offers for various types of help. So we got both personal vol- volunteers for person in personal uh, uh, capacity. So uh, basically, you know, sort of shepherding people and, uh, you know, helping people carry stuff and, you know, just general, you, you know, helping out like that. And as well, hardware. So looking after actual projector setups and, you know, the setups for game competitions and microphones and, proje- you know, all, all that kind of stuff. Just, you know, just looking after things and keeping things moving a bit smoothly. So uh, it's great that, a lot, you know, people want to muck in and it's, uh, that's, uh, yeah, that'll be great and that'll, that'll help things move a bit smoother if, if someone has a, you know, something that's their responsibility and, you know, look after this cable, <laughs> you know, don't massive thanks to everybody who offered there there's there'll be nothing big given to anyone unless they want to do more um like an example of one thing that <clears throat> if this had been organized in advance would have been really helpful the uh, there was a projector hooked up to an emulator down at one end of the room and the cable had come loose so the screen had gone blue and um, it needed it needed a bit of tlc it needed a bit more than just the cable being put in you know the, the machine needed to be kind of reseated and stuff 
and I was dealing with a problem somewhere beside the stage and I was looking at this blue screen going I don't like the look of that big blue screen like because it's they're massive screens like so mm-hmm. and blue is such a strong color in a in an otherwise lovely uh, environment like that and I just couldn't get to it if say one person said okay I'll I'll keep tabs if the cable for that machine pops out I'll fix it you know they may never need to do anything but at least when it does happen um you know there'll be somebody there who can who can take care of it yeah so a massive thanks to everybody who um who um, ticked the the boxes on that question and to anybody who didn't take the boxes by the way and it's an anonymous survey I, I don't know who any of these people are yet <laughs> but um it's it's totally valid to just want to come and soak up the um experience you know i know that you know when i go to other things you know like i'm busy i've been busy uh, maybe it's a long journey there when i get there i just want to unwind and i don't really want to have to run my sleeves and get to work i want to decompress so um I'm absolute maximum respect to people who are like that's not for me thanks absolutely fine okay so um but just the last thing i'd say on that is that we'll have three categories i think there'll be a hardware one which will be popping in a cable if it pops out maybe um a a personal one which might be uh reminding you know say somebody needs a hand getting to a workshop maybe a presenter has equipment or um maybe there's a an interviewer that needs to you know come to the stage maybe they're down at the bar or something like that we can we can help find them or an interviewee um, and that's, I think that's basically going to be kind of the size of it really. There'll be nothing, nothing massive. Um, so there you go. Okay. On to the last question. So the last one we're going to cover today, it's, it's a lot for one podcast. What was your favorite aspect of the event? 93% of people said meeting other Amiga users and enthusiasts, uh, not including VIPs. And that just blows my mind um that that is the one i picked that's my number one choice personally uh, i'm just there to meet other people and as a few have said before you know we could go without the amigas and just meet each other um <laughs> even though i got almost no time to actually talk to people this year it was a bit of a disaster uh, socially for me but um that that is what i love about the event and um i was really happy to see that kind of result then next step down quite a bit 65 percent of people also ticked the box for workshops they're there to learn stuff so that's good to know um we had our most our highest number of workshops ever this year um i hope we can equal that again next year i know we won't have pixel vixen um because she's in japan and uh looks like she's really enjoying her job actually uh, Mm and doing some amazing um artwork it's absolutely stunning so we've already had people approaches with workshop ideas uh, that they have basically planned and they're completed and ready to go. They're going in. Nice. So, um, and I haven't actually reached out to anybody yet about workshops. So we'll um, we'll have more news on that close to the time of ticket sales. Sixty percent of people gaming. Um, so the games then come in there at sixty percent. So, and there were some comments. Oh, we'll get to the comments by the way for all these sections in another podcast because I think this take more time. And okay, so then we've got a fifty-eight percent. And there's three categories tied here. So that's meeting VIPs. So that's like Trevor Dickinson, Dave uh, Presence, Dave Haney. Um, uh, anyway, there's, there's, you know, and, and all the others like that, you know. There's the after event activities come in here too at 58%. So that's so, stuff like the pub on Saturday night and the meetup on Sunday morning um, and interviews. And then below that, we have everything else basically comes in, you know, lower than that. And the comments have kind of been around, look, we we come for the atmosphere. The atmosphere alone is worth turning up for, which is cool. Um, and thanks to everyone again who comes because you make the atmosphere. Um, there was another comment there asking, you know, could we ha- get other machines on display? Um, but basically, the machines are dictated by whoever attends and brings them up. Um, 
So, uh, yeah, thanks so much to, to everyone for making that cool event because uh, I've been in that room, obviously, Friday morning when there's nobody there and it's, it's not half as cool <laughs> as when it's uh, full of people <laughs> and equipment. We will go back and talk about the different elements of the event again in another podcast. Um, is that the last part to cover for this one? That's this it. One? But uh, while we have the two lads here, like, does that fit with how you guys ha- uh, saw it? Yeah, it's close. I mean, I, I love the atmosphere. I love to spend the day there. Um, it was good this year for me because I was involved, actually much more involved in the event rather than the competition. Yeah. Because yeah. competition. So, yeah. Um, and... Yeah, the after the after after hours activities as well are a big thing for me. So it's all I guess for me it's really about the the community and atmosphere. Yeah, big elements definitely catching up with other people that are interested in similar things as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, everything that's happening around the screens, around the room as well, it, it really helps to add to the the ambience. Yeah, and and seeing um, a lot of the different amigas that exist these days, and, and even some of the. the sort of stranger machines like the the Mr. FPGA machines and all the new hardware that's come out. Um, some people bring those and that's great. It's I find that interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, there was there was some cool stuff on display this yeah. year. Next up um, is Ask Amiga. I've got one for you, Rob. I use Wi Fi a lot on my A twelve hundred. Um, I got a card from Luke. Actually, that's how we met Luke. <laughs> was yeah, me buying a yeah, Wi-Fi card true. off you. There was no Amiga Ireland or anything back then. And um, I got a load of help off. Uh, Luke is very patient. Um, so I ended up with Wi-Fi and I used it. And I use it an awful lot. Like, you know, I use the browser, but sometimes I'll just use wget to download something and stuff like that. But when I run WHD load, the um, what will happen is a game will launch and I just get a black screen and it won't play. And the problem is that the physical hardware, if I pull out the, the PCM CIA card, the Wi-Fi, the game will run. So, mm. well, which is fine. But it means when I come out of the game, I have to put the card back in. But my question to you really is, um, do you know why why that happens? And is it possible to work around that on a hardware or a software level? Yeah, it's, it's um, well, basically what it is, is, is a, an unhandled interrupt. So the game will uh, not know what to do with an interrupt that, it, like you know, like uh, an incoming TCP packet. Like what? Like what the hell is this? What, what do we do with this? I'm not, you know, it predates a lot of that stuff to be fair. So um, uh, yeah. So the games just don't handle interrupts very well, and you'll get you'll actually get the same thing. You know, if you leave a serial cable connected and you send something down the serial port, it's the instant crash for a lot of WHD load games. Um, so basically, if you trigger an interrupt that the game's not going to handle, it will it'll just crash out of it. And WHD load will, uh, f- you know, it'll either give an error message or it'll just lock up, and that's it. So there are ways around it, and uh, basically, one of, one of the, like yeah, it, it's probably simplest if you have a, a like a plug-in card like that to unplug it. But if you can disable your TCP stack before you start, then that should be enough. Um, and then you can re-enable it afterwards. So um, there is, um, yeah. Now this this is where it gets a little bit rusty for me. Um, but WHD Load does have a facility for disabling the uh, TCP stack just before it launches a game and re-enabling it when you quit. Um, but the exact settings you need to do, uh, there's something in the config file in the WHD Load config file. I cannot I remember think, the exact string. I think string if you, you should browse around the internet, I think someone's already. Uh, someone's already solved that, and there's a script that helps you actually uh, dis- to disable the TCP/IP stack and the wireless manager 
before the game runs and mm -hmm. then enable it uh, as soon as you press F10 key uh, to quit your game. So I think uh, someone's already found a solution for that. That's one thing. The other thing, it's a well-documented bug in WHD load. That just like Rob said, another one is the serial port. And there's one, uh, there's one more. I think, uh, mediator. There's a, there's a, there's mm -hmm. a, there's a, cr there's a clash between WHD load and, uh, mediator and, uh, voodoo card. Gra voodoo graphic card. And it causes, it causes the same thing. Yeah, the, the outcome right. from the same thing basically is is uh, an interrupt that the hardware is kind of saying, well, here, you need to do the, deal with this. And the game is like, you're nothing to because do with it. Because it, they come from <laughs> so, uh, totally different, you know, you know like uh, time frames. <laughs> different worlds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But so, um, but you know, there was always a thing back in the day that, you know, you, you, you if you're having problems running a game, you unplug any extra hardware that you have. But, you know... Then, back then it was really only modems and you, you had your modem switched off most of the time because you know it was expensive to ring people <laughs> and to, to use it so um you know so it was rarely an, an issue until uh until people started having network connections and i i discovered it actually on um, because i had a uh an infrared remote control receiver that i built and i had that on the serial port and you know, I, I could not figure out why games are crashing until I realized that, you know, someone was pressing remote control in the room and instant crash. And it's like, what the hell's going on here? And that, that was it. So it was it was literally just an unserviced interrupt that pulled the whole lot down. But the thing is, and you now my memory could be rusty on this because I haven't tried it in a while, but I think I tested booting, right, with commenting out the TCP roadshow out of the... Um, startup sequence but left the card in to see um, was it the software or the hardware and i think it, it hung on just the card with no uh, so it's still triggering interrupts even without the tcp stack um you've commented out the wireless manager as well the wi-fi card is a two-step two stages connection so you have to associate with your router first and then uh open up the connection for the internet using the tcp ip stack mm-hmm yeah i think i would have known to do that but um yeah, I'll, I'll have to check, really. Okay, let's go on to online activity. So the top tweets and posts came from this month. Alana Kelly, Gavin Byrne, Seamus Doyle, Mark Conroy and Wayne Woodcock. How are you, folks? Thanks for keeping it alive online. <laughs> um, also, actually, uh, speaking of online, um, thanks to everybody who patiently waited for responses to... Um, membership requests on Facebook and emails. It's been a hectic um, several weeks here and it's just, you know, online. The online side of things has been a low priority. It's out of necessity, um, not out of desire or anything like that. We've got some new members joining us online too. Dave Haney, Pete Morgan, Sam Cole, Richard Hayes, uh, Jill McCabe, Wayne Woodcock, Nathan Smith, uh, Seamus Hoban and Aaron Smith Gordon Devlin Christoph Donau uh, I, I don't know go on help us there Luke yeah, yeah okay yeah. Gare Olive Bay Thomas Tony Patton Luca Moretti Osby Bertlow yeah and Des Palmer uh, Paco Paco Milan Robles uh, Dwayne Duane Johnson or Dwayne Johnson uh, Jan Halholm Mike Romiga Raymond Morin Pedro Mesquita Marias Graham Delta Martin Lee Murphy welcome to everybody and thanks for joining us 
that's all from us from this month and um, big thanks to John and Eamon as well for joining us this month taking time out it's nice having you lads good to be here thank you yeah thanks for having us on thank you guys okay so until next time musicals by Virtual Dimensions and Banjo Guy Ollie did we miss anything this month let us know on social media or email info at amigausers.ie this show was edited by Anthony Jarvis and we're playing out with Keep the Rhythm by Fusion Mixer, which came third place at Amiga Ireland 2020. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Touching nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, lads. Doing. <laughs> Luke, you stole John's three. You had one job. <laughs> At least we've got plenty of Start again. Oh, dear. Okay. Start, start again. Start again. <laughs>